Hello, my name is Nathan Encero. This is my podcast on the Emotional Intelligence 2.0 book by Travis Bradbury and Gene Greaves. This is for Dr. Groshek's MC782 course, um, the week two assignment. Uh, I'm going to start this podcast uh, by talking a little bit about these kind of self-assessment and kind of self-help ideas, and this applies to things like personality tests, the five strengths thing that the uh, leadership minor uh, pushes really hard, um, and yes, this uh, emotional intelligence quiz as well, and that's that I struggle with it as a person uh, that's taking the exams because I often find myself answering those questions like the person that I want to be or the person that I think that I am and not the person that I actually am. I think it would be a lot more helpful to me if those things were based around some something closer to a T-Val where somebody else, somebody that you work with, somebody that you spend a lot of time with is answering those questions for you. You know, uh, For example, Nathan does well at reading uh, my emotions at work. And then they answer one to five from strongly agree to strongly disagree. And then it spits out your score. Uh, that said, I'll talk a little bit about my, uh, my scores and kind of try to contextualize them within my professional and uh, educational experience. I did fairly poorly. Uh, I got a 64 overall, self-awareness 66, self-management 63, social awareness a 70, and relationship management a 59. Um, I'm going to start with self-awareness. Um, the, they define self-awareness as your ability to accurately perceive your emotions and stay aware of them as they happen. This includes keeping on top of how you tend to respond to specific, specific situations and certain people. I I find that I um I do a better job of this when I'm not already feeling emotional, which I guess is kind of the point of this book. Um I do a lot better job if I uh for example when I'm at work, um I'll, I'll give a very specific example. This uh this summer I interned for a baseball team, uh the Kansas City Monarchs minor league baseball. It was their first year under that name. They used to be called the T-Bones. Uh, I was in their media department, so we did everything from making sure that the lineups were correct and posted all over the stadium, including the dugouts and clubhouses, um, and the PA announcer had them, uh, but we also helped keep track of the stats for the league. We would work with the official score to make sure that that was posted, um, and then we were writing press releases. We were doing all kinds of stuff, um, and I was asked to uh, be kind of a leader within our group of interns. There were seven of us, including a photographer, um, just based on the fact that I was a year older than all of them and had uh, my undergrad degree finished and was a graduate student. Um, But I noticed that when I was pressed for time, for example, we found out two hours before game time that we were making the other team wear a throwback uniform that we had. Um, the, it was the Homestead Grays because we uh, they the baseball team had an agreement with the Negro Leagues Baseball Museum, um, and part of that was kind of showing off the history of 
the Negro Leagues and of the Kansas City Monarchs, which are one of the great franchises in those leagues. Um, and so we had a Homestead Grays uniform, which was another of those like great um, franchises prior to the integration of baseball. And so we picked like four or five weekends that we had our opponents wear the Homestead Grays uniforms so that it could be the Monarchs versus the Grays. Um, the problem there, though, is because we made them, we only made numbers like 1 through 20-something. And that caused a problem because the players in our stat tracking system are tracked by both their uniform number and their name. And so if the uniform number has changed, like we found out that half of their players' um, half their players' uniform numbers had changed just two hours prior to the game, that changes everything for our pregame preparation. We basically have to start over. Um, and then during the game, we have to cross-reference between like multiple rosters and stuff. And as you can imagine, that really got me flustered. And I noticed that, uh, looking back, I noticed that my self-awareness um, and my self-management went out the door as soon as I got stressed out by that. Um, I don't know that I was necessarily mean to my coworkers or um, overly, overly bossy, but I do know that I just kind of kicked into overdrive mode and um, cause that's, that's kind of what I do when I'm stressed out. And I guess I need to, in the moment, do a better job of managing that and being aware of that. And there's strategies in the book to, uh, help out with that. I think that the first one is observing the ripple effect of my emotions. I, I get flustered and then I get stressed and then I get angry or upset, um, and I, I find that if I noticed that ripple effect and that um, when I start feeling that way, I, it's, it's possible for the people around me to start feeling that way. And then it affects the entire team's work. Um, I think that I could do a better job of not letting, not starting that ripple, not being, for lack of a better term, the stone that tosses into the pond and starts the ripple. Um, the other one, and I find myself actually doing this, and when I was reading this uh, section of the chapter, I, I saw myself a lot in it, and that's the watch yourself like a hawk. It says, hawks have the distinct advantage of soaring hundreds of feet above the ground, looking down upon the earth and seeing all that is happening below them. The creatures on the ground go about their lives with narrow tunnel vision, not even realizing that the hawk is soaring above them, predicting their every move. I feel sometimes like that hawk when I get really stressed out and that I can see myself, you know, frantically working and just kind of pushing out um, assignments or pushing out, um, in this case, ideas about how to deal with the fact that the, uh, the roster numbers had changed. And I think that that was good for me in that I, it helped me be aware in the moment that I was potentially having a negative impact on the performance of my team, but also it helped me be aware that I could be doing better. Um, and then I, I didn't have the strategies at the time to do better. And I kind of wish that I had. So up next, I'm going to take a look at my 
social competence scores, specifically relationship management, because I did really poorly at that, a 59. I actually got a 70 at social awareness, which was my highest individual score. Um, They define relationship management as your ability to use awareness of your emotions and the emotions of others to manage interactions successfully. I think that where I'm at, and perhaps that's what a 59 is, is I'm learning right now to recognize the emotions of others, and I need to uh, find strategies to take those uh, to the next level where I am recognizing those emotions, and then I am using those emotions or at least being aware of those other people's emotions to manage our interactions and to further the group goal. Uh, So some potential strategies that I think would be really good because it didn't recommend any strategies to me is only getting mad on purpose. I am not a person that gets terribly mad. Um... I I don't go out of my way to get angry, at least at the people that I'm working with, the people at my same level. I do get angry oftentimes at the people that I work for um, because there's just – there's issues a lot of times um, with what they want and what I can do or what they want and the way that we do things doesn't allow for the end goal that they want. Um And so I think that if I was better at managing uh, my, like how I get angry, I think that people wouldn't see me as somebody who does get angry because I just, I wouldn't. Um, Like I said, I don't, I don't berate the people that I work with or really anybody. I am not a yeller. Um, um, And so I, I think that if I could get I also think that if I could get angry when it needed to, when somebody needed to be angry, um, I'd do a lot better. But again, that's that's self management, which I also did very poorly on. Um, another uh, aspect of relationship management that I think I could have done better was um, remembering that the little things pack a punch. I think that I could have used more pleases and thank yous and I'm sorry's. And I actually noticed that uh, about midway through the summer was that I was asking people to do all these things while I was delegating tasks, but then very rarely was I saying please. And so it kind of became a, you know, hey, Caitlin and Emerson, I'm working on getting the roster updated. Can you run the lineups down to the clubhouses? And then like hand them the printed out copies of the lineups, uh, one for each coach. And then as they're kind of walking out the door being like, oh, thank you. Um, and I kind of think that I would have been more effective if I had used more pleases and thank yous. Um, I think that you know the book kind of suggests that people never get thanked and people never ask them ple- or say please when they ask them to do something, um, especially at work. And I think that I would have been a more effective manager or a more effective leader had I remembered to do that. And I think my mother would be a lot more proud of me if I had. Um, that, that was a joke. My mom loves me. Um, and then finally, I think that I could have acknowledged other people's feelings better. Um, I, don't, I can't think of a time necessarily that somebody was really 
just having a bad day or like really upset at work. Um, but again, it's possible that I just didn't notice. Um, I think that there were times where I think people may have been overwhelmed by me or overwhelmed by my, um, my delegation, the, the way that I delegate tasks. Um, or perhaps there, there were times where people were maybe working on something else and I came up and interrupted them to ask them to do something that I thought needed to be done right now, but in truth probably could have waited. Um, I think that if I had acknowledged, hey, I know you're busy with X, Y, and Z, um, but I really need someone to do X, Y, and Z soon. Um, could you help me with that? please. I think I would, again, I think I would have been more effective at managing the way that my group interacted. Um, and we could have done a better job of being friends that work together instead of just coworkers. Um, so that's, that's my reflection on emotional intelligence on specifically how I did, um, strategies that I saw throughout reading the book that, could have helped me had I known. And then finally, just kind of an, an overarching summary of my understanding of my failures as a leader in the workplace and what I hopefully will get the opportunity to do better in the future. Thank you all for listening.